Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, here's the deal. I've got a few uh, school-related things to bring up, without a doubt. A couple of jab-related things as well. And I want to start off this episode, however, by talking about something that I've sort of mentioned in the past, but it, it certainly deserves revisiting. And I, I think that it speaks to a larger problem that uh, that we as a country and basically just as the human race are going to have a real hard time getting over. And that has to do with these individuals who claim to be in roles of expertise, in particular when it comes to military or law enforcement or whatever, and now they are civilians again. These people commenting on quote-unquote mass shootings. It's, uh, it's embarrassing, to be honest. Because again, these individuals are taking the wrong approach. They have the wrong philosophy. They're using emotion instead of their brains. And they apparently are not awake. And they do not know the depths of evil that all of the agencies that work within U.S. government are willing to go to to accomplish what they want to accomplish. And the door, I mean, the actual door into accomplishing what they want, that doorway, has to do with deception. And that if you deceive people at face value, they will quite literally believe everything that you tell them after that. And that's a serious problem. So there's a couple of individuals, one in particular, that I want to mention here. And I'm not going to play the audio from their channel. Um, you can go and listen to it if you're interested and, and hear exactly what I'm talking about. But there are numerous, as you may be aware, and you may even follow some of these people. I, I used to listen to them occasionally, and then I thought to myself, nah, these guys, they don't know what they're talking about when it comes to other, other issues. Again, I, I don't mean to be insulting to individuals that served our country. Congratulations and thank you. However, they were even deceived back then into believing again that planes went into buildings and uh, people could, you know, people living in caves on the other side of, of Earth could, uh, could, you know, organize such a ridiculous event where, yes, innocent people died, but the, the show that we watched on TV was not the real thing and, and was not what really happened. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to mention the, person, the person's channel here. The channel is, is titled The Fieldcraft Survival Channel. And apparently, this is, again, an ex-military guy. I've seen him before. He's been on other people's shows talking about military stuff, gun stuff, survival gear stuff, XYZ. And I, again, I know that a lot of these guys have YouTube channels, and they shoot from the hip on a lot of issues. And like I said, they get overly emotional without thinking for a minute. Because, again, they don't know the depths of evil and deception. So... This guy created a video titled, Cowardice and Lack of Training Are Not the Same. There is no excuse. Hashtag Uvalde. And so he's talking again about the Uvalde shooting, which wasn't a shooting and didn't happen. Um, 
again, there's a lot of yelling. He's just yelling a lot and calling these police officers cowards and it's dereliction of duty. You should turn in your badge and they should be prosecuted and fired and, and this, that, and the other. I'd like, I would like everybody just briefly to imagine a bottle. Just for the sake of argument, it could be any bottle, I suppose, but just a beer bottle, okay? Take a beer bottle and tip it upside down. It's empty. And I'm, I'm making a bottleneck reference here. Everybody who's commenting on Uvalde, who's all saying the same thing, they exist at the upper end of that bottle, the bigger end. They haven't they haven't once made their way down into the neck, let alone outside of the bottle to a fuller state of consciousness that will drive them to the actual answer, which is where the answer actually lies as to what's gone on. Because again, in the words of George Patton, which you think they would know and then apply in their own lives, which they don't, is when everybody is thinking alike, someone's not thinking. I, and I've written about this before on my Substack. Same thing with Sun Tzu, same thing with William of Ockham. These people will reference these individuals and yet not apply their philosophy to their own lives and then look through those lenses at numerous issues. They just, again, shoot from the hip, get overly emotional, and they don't analyze anything. So in that upside-down bottle, this particular individual, again, on the... Uh, I just said it. Darn it. Sorry. The Fieldcraft Survival Channel. He's got a couple of videos now about Uvalde from, from a couple of weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Again, millions of views. 1.5 million views on, on his first video. Inside of that bottle, that upside-down beer bottle in the, in, the, in the large part of the bottle, they're just rotating around spinning around, saying the same things over and over and over again. Like I said, they refuse to go any deeper into what's actually happening. The sad part is that in their commentary, they consistently will say things like, they didn't go in, they're all stupid, all these cops are dumb, what is wrong with them, why, why did they not go in, you have to go in, you have to do this, you have to do that. They're asking a lot of questions, as you've heard me say in the past, but they're never coming to any kind of an answer. See, I would stop this individual, and I would say, hold it. You just asked a question. You asked the question of, why didn't they go in and stop this shooter and save those kids' lives? Why didn't they go in? That was the answer you, or that was the question you just asked. Now answer it. And they can't, because then they just resort to name-calling. Well, they're stupid. They're ignorant. They're in dereliction of their own duty. They, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, who are they listening to? The person in charge is a moron. It just becomes, again, this very caveman-like mentality of, well, let's just name-call. And I do lots of name-calling here. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a hypocrite. I know, I know what I do here also. Same kinds of things. But I analyze things, and you know that, which, again, is why you hopefully listen to this show. But they're just existing within that fat end of the bottle, and they're not actually diving down into the neck. 
because they can't even answer their own questions with any logic or reason or analysis. If a person asks the question, why? You have to investigate that why. That's a very singular line that you can find an answer to. It's a horrific answer. It's a horrific answer. And it doesn't have to do in this case with Uvalde, you know, with, with, uh, with dead kids and, and this, that, and the other. That's not it. Well, they just wanted these kids dead and they just served them up to this one guy. And, uh, same thing with those two teachers that are dead. I mean, they, they, it was a mass shooting. The word mass gets used with everything now, which you've probably noticed. Uh, you know, and, and they just slaughtered them all. No. Answer the one question. If your question is, why didn't they go in? Let's examine all of the answers that could exist as to why they wouldn't have gone in. But they won't do it. Because at the bottom of that stack, based on where they're starting with their, with their train of thought and their wavelength, at the bottom of the answers, the very bottom of this long list of answers that they would find, at the very bottom, which is the answer, is that it was a drill and no one was inside and no one was shooting, which is why they didn't go in. And then, of course, they would get that look on their face, as, as you've heard me say in the past, like someone farted, and it would be disbelief. Because again, they would just go, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I, what are you talking about? I, I, uh, why would they do that? Uh, and, and then they wouldn't be able to figure it out. That deception is the name of the game. And that it is quite literally that simple. It's that simple of an approach. Let me give you another example as to how quick some of these military and ex-military people immediately foreclose on their own lack of knowledge as being the answer, not knowing, of course, that it's a lack of, of knowledge, but they just immediately uh, they just immediately believe what they believe to be the answer because we're in the military and we know what goes on and whatever else. There's a guy on YouTube also, and I used to watch his channel a lot, and then I stopped because, again, I thought to myself, this guy's, again, when it comes to firearms or you know, cleaning a gun or uh, survival tips, fine, I'm all for it. But when you start talking about geopolitical issues, I'm sorry, you know, this person doesn't know what he's talking about. Bless his heart, you know, but even so. His name is Sean Ryan, and his, his YouTube channel is Vigilant, Vigilant Elite, or Vigilance Elite, one of the two. Um, again, it was a good channel. But then someone, he had, uh, what's his name, Rob O'Neill. He had Rob O'Neill on, also ex-military, uh, was apparently a member of SEAL Team 6. This is the alleged guy who shot bin Laden to death. I don't believe that story. I don't. I think an Arab guy got shot in a building. I think the CIA, of course, ran the entire thing. And then Obama sold it to everybody as... Osama bin Laden's dead at the hands of SEAL Team 6. Congratulations. And then magically, many members of SEAL Team 6 end up dead. Not Rob O'Neill, though. Rob O'Neill runs point on the messaging and the narrative, the story, 
that he was the one who killed Osama bin Laden. He also, of course, continues to wring this, this, uh, this washcloth dry as much as he can that he's the guy who killed bin Laden. So go back to that story just briefly because I don't want to relive all of it. But again, I don't think it happened that way. I think that this bin Laden guy, again, I've seen his name bounce around before, this Tim Osman or Osman or Omen or whatever the hell his last name was, that he was a CIA agent and, and all of that stuff. Again, I know that this is an American education, but I'm getting into it because, again, these stories find their way into K-12 schools. And they find their way into the university level, and then it's, it's perpetuated onto minors, and then they believe it. But the very next step that should indicate to people that it's propaganda is when Hollywood makes a movie about it. And what movie came out about Osama bin Laden being shot and killed? Zero Dark Thirty. That movie was a lie. It was a lie. They had to have the movie to show people that this is the story they're running with, and if we have it in the theaters and people go and watch and they buy the movie, it will ingrain it into their heads that this is what happened, that we killed Osama bin Laden, and here's how it was done. The reason I reference Sean Ryan and the Vigilance Elite YouTube channel is he was asked once in a Q&A, where he was pulling questions from people. And someone said to him in one of these Q&As, again, I forget the exact date, it was years ago, but someone told him that Rob O'Neill didn't kill Osama bin Laden and that it was all fake. And the guy he shot wasn't Osama bin Laden and Rob O'Neill is lying about it. Sean Ryan immediately dismissed it, that question. He made fun of the person who asked the question and made the statement. He, he quite literally on his show crumpled up the question in a piece of paper and threw it to the side, which again is the physical act of dismissing a question to sort of send a message like, whatever, this is stupid, don't ever ask me this again, which is basically what he also said. And then that was it. See, there's no analysis. There's just believing stories. And that's not thinking. That requires no thinking. It's just believing storytelling. Well, stories are fake in many cases, and they're embellished for the purpose of eliciting emotion among people so that they will resonate among those individuals that are highly emotional. And like I said, this guy on the Fieldcraft Survival Channel, highly emotional. You know, the thumbnail picture that he decided to put up for his video is him leaning on his table with his index finger pointing up in the air as if he's got something to say. He knows what's going on here. Listen to me, I'll tell you what happened. I'm not asking anybody to listen to me. I'm not asking you to believe anything that I've said. I'm asking just people to think as an individual on their own. Here's why I mention this. We aren't going to win 
as a country. And I'm not saying this to be black-pilled. That's not the point. I'm bringing this up because it's logical. We're not going to win when someone like him has 1.5 million views and people believe it. And then you get into the comments section and people are believing it. And there's no thinking going on. There's just this hive mind. Buzz, buzz, buzz. We're all saying the same thing. We're all thinking the same thing. You're 100% right. Why didn't they go in that, you know, why didn't they go in that classroom? We're not going to win. When someone like him with the outlet he has, which by the way, by default, if he's on YouTube and YouTube is allowing the video, then it's propaganda. It's propaganda. But he's got all these sponsors, I bet, and he's got all this other stuff, and he's probably saying to himself, if he knew the truth, which he doesn't, he's saying to himself, if I knew the truth and I tell the truth about what really went on there, I'd lose all my sponsors. See, then it becomes a game of money. And I don't like that. I don't like these people that do this for copious amounts of money and all of these promo codes and, you know, this, that, and the other. And it's basically to the point where they, even if, even if they arrive at the truth on a singular issue, they feel like they can't bring up that issue because money will be taken from them or siphoned away from them in some way, form, or fashion. That bothers me. Because that's not freedom. That's slavery to a dollar. And I don't like that. Never have. Still don't. Never will. This kind of mentality is not a, a, a strategy for victory in any sense whatsoever. It just isn't. We won't win this way as a country if these lies keep being perpetuated and people keep believing them. Yes, there are multiple alternative outlets that will tell you the truth about lots of things that are going on, lots of different things. And that's great. But YouTube, unfortunately, still has this giant reach that's hitting lots of people with the wrong false, well, well yeah, with the wrong message and the false messages. This other guy, I'm going to butcher his name. I don't, I don't really care. Uh, I think his name is Jocko Willichick or Willikick. I don't know how you say his last name. I, again, I don't care. Um, this Jocko guy, same thing, ex-military, has a podcast, Jiu-Jitsu Dude, you know, travels in the same circles as all these other guys. They're all thinking the same thing, which means someone's not thinking. And he took, again, I'm, I assume, a very similar approach based on the title of his podcast, which, again, has the same amount of views. The reaches that these people have, where they're spreading the wrong message, the enemy's message, what does that make them? I'm not saying it makes them the enemy. They're a tool of the enemy, which makes them the useful idiot. Unfortunately, it's highlighting their lack of intelligence on the issue and their, their inability to think critically, let alone just think, about the issue at hand. So they are quite literally an unwitting tool of the enemy 
and they don't even know it. That's a serious problem. And until we get past that, until people stop listening to those people and start thinking for themselves and finding the truthful messages that are out there and spreading those truthful messages, and, and again, the, the bookend is anytime you hand it to somebody, you say, you know, listen to this person if you want, but ultimately think for yourself because this is thought provoking. The problem is, is again, with all of these YouTube guys and their circles, they all say the same stuff. They all say the same things over and over again. The Joe Rogans of the world. Again, the people that listen to Joe Rogan for their news is alarming and sad because he's not that bright. He's signed massive contracts, not because he's bright, but because he only goes so far with his message, which makes him what? Makes him a useful idiot. People have used the word gatekeeper. They've, they've used lots of different phrases for this. This continues to be an issue, and here's again why this becomes a problem for American youth and American education is those messages are perpetuated within school environments. Even the people that don't like Joe Rogan or the Jockos of the world or whatever else, these children are walking around with cell phones in their hands on a day-in, day-out basis. And when you type in Uvalde into the search engine or the search bar of YouTube, you're not going to find the answer. You're going to find propaganda which is lies. That's it. You're going to find the enemy's narrative. And then these guys who have their individual channels talking about whatever else they talk about, you're going to be listening to their opinions. Opinions are not facts. That's all. They're not facts. And children don't stand a chance against that messaging. It's highly emotional. Children are emotional. The emotional message resonates with children. And if they're walking around a school building and they're looking for more analysis or more explanation as to what happened, they go to YouTube by and large. Even as you've heard me say before here, if they got on Gab the days after this and even the weeks after this particular fake shooting, they wouldn't have found the answer either. Again, that right there should be the indication that the truth is being buried because the truth always gets buried. It's the false message that rises to the top and, and shines this very nefarious light that sucks in a lot of people into believing something happened when in fact it didn't happen that way. So this always has a negative influence on minors, in particular when it's a school-related issue and it has to do with violence and the technology aspect of all of it on having influence over everybody and so on and so forth. Here's, here's the last reason why I mention this. I actually reached out to that individual on that YouTube channel, the uh, Fieldcraft Survival Channel. He doesn't have a readily available email. But again, he has a website where he sells his survival gear and, and whatever else. 
And so I emailed him through that, through that store that he has. I gave him my full name and my actual personal email address. And I said, look, if you want to know what happened, I'd be happy to tell you. And more importantly, I'd be happy to help you think about what happened there and actually arrive at answers. But you can contact me anytime, and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to communicate with you. Keep in mind, you know, this is the line of, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be emailed back, and I know that. But this is the email line that these stores have when it comes to like problems with their product. You know, my product showed up broken. Uh, you know, how do I return it to you? Things like that. And again, I find it odd that these people don't have personal email addresses where they can, where they can actually answer logical questions without any kind of a filter. Again, you can email me anytime you want listening to this show. I've given you my email. It's AmericanEducationFM at ProtonMail.com. I answer all my emails. I answer them, and I reply back, and that's the way that it goes. But these guys don't. That should make you think as to why that's the case. Do they not want to hear the truth? Probably, because it would blow up their illusion. And that's, that's a difficult pill to swallow. These are not red-pilled people. They're not. These are the guys that you would look at, that we would look at, and say, there's the enemy over there, go kill them. And then they would do it because we told them to. That, that's these guys. And I'm not knocking them for doing it. Someone has to do that. I'd be willing to do that too. The, the, the difference is, is that they aren't thinking about very serious things that have to do with deception in the world and how that deception uh, rules everything else and controls every other form of thinking and decision-making and action. We won't win if that doesn't change. So that's my, that's my two cents on it. Again, my tip to them is stick with what you know. Stay in your lane and stick with what you know. Because you could be inadvertently hurting a great deal of people by perpetuating a lie. I mean, the devil, I'll tell you what, the devil knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. But God knows what he's doing too. And there there are alternatives. There are other wavelengths of thinking. There are other dimensions of thinking. And I would always encourage anybody to try to reach whatever that is. Again, if everybody's thinking alike, someone's not thinking. Okay. I'm going to dive right into this here. Um, School-related stuff. This comes from newspunch.com. Athlete deaths are 1,700% higher since 2021, and nobody's allowed to ask why. Professional athletes are supposed to be among the fittest people on the planet, so why are unprecedented numbers of them suddenly dropping dead from heart-related problems? We know why. 
There's a chart here. It's massive. Absolutely massive. It says from, this is the monthly average number of recorded athlete deaths from 1966 to 2004. The monthly average of athletic of athlete deaths was 2.35 people. Now, from January 2021 to April of 2022, the monthly average, monthly average of athlete deaths is 42 people. Again, um, as I said in the last episode, you, you, it's easy to cover up an average student's death if they aren't affiliated or associated with a sports team, in particular at the collegiate level. Very difficult to hide a dead collegiate you know, student-athlete, quote-unquote. It's difficult to hide that. It's far, far more easier to hide your average student who lives in an apartment off campus by themselves, who gets average grades and, and is found dead in their apartment. That won't be reported on. The reasons, however, could be exactly the same. And they're shot-related because that's what these shots are doing to people. So I, I find this remarkably sad. I don't think this is going to get better. Um, the cover-up is just going to get bigger because the deaths are going to be unavoidable. It's just going to be unavoidable. Here's the next one. This has, to, again, same, same wavelength of, of jab-related stuff here. This was tossed to me by a listener, and I saw this story, but they, they emailed it to me again, and I was like, yep. Let's let's bring this up because again, on the jab spectrum, from a medical standpoint, it is a it's it's in there. It's in that spectrum of 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 things that are occurring that again aren't being reported on. Certainly not widely. This comes from PatriotRealm.com. It's titled "Newborn Baby's Arm Amputated After Mom Took COVID Vaccines and Baby Suffer, Suffered Blood Clots in the Womb." Again. This is one story of one child. There's no way this is the only child. That's impossible. This is happening with regularity. It says one of the first known cases of Wuhan coronavirus vaccine, quote unquote, adverse, of, adverse effects being passed down from mother to baby has come to light. Well, come to light, sure, but this has been going on for quite some time. It says it's demonstrating the dangers of the shots for women who are or who later decided to get pregnant while being fully vaccinated. Zach Riley is now missing an arm, reports indicate, after it had been amputated almost immediately after his birth when it was discovered that the child had developed blood clots in both his now-removed left arm as well as his brain. It continues here. Um, Let's see. Delivered at 37 weeks on July 11th of 2021, a year ago, and had a bruised and blistered left arm, we are told, and the limb was removed after an MRI scan showed that he had suffered a stroke while still inside the mother's womb. For the few, few, few weeks of Zach's life, it felt like one thing after another was going wrong, said the boy's mother. It was just heartbreaking. 
Of course. Of course. Uh, mild hearing loss, other mental disabilities, so to speak. It appears this is getting worse. Uh, and it, it pretty much just ends there. There's no indication that, uh, that he's alive. The, again, the point is, is that this is happening with regularity. And uh, again, even if an individual can conceive after receiving these shots, again, you think of all of the teenagers, the school-aged children, uh, the college students who, who want to be parents, but they're all attending these colleges and universities and they have to be jabbed. Ladies and gentlemen, there's your depopulation program, the inability to reproduce. And even if they do conceive and actually give birth, again, the, the likelihood of the child surviving, um, it, it's appearing that it's next to zero. So, again, not to be a downer there, but it's the truth. And that's unfortunately what's, what's happening. Uh, okay, there's this as well. And I alluded to it, I believe, in I've certainly brought this up in previous episodes, but this is hitting the front page of local newspapers, K-12 related, and it has to do again with school bus drivers and the shortage of school bus drivers. This is, uh, this is not going away. And again, they can't for the life of them figure out why. Let me just read some of these search headlines here before I dive into one particular article. If you get on start page and you select the time with which you want this search and these stories to pop up and you select past week and then you select all regions and then you take the family filter off, all I did was type in nationwide school bus driver shortage. I'm just going to read these from top to bottom from seven days ago all the way down to like three days ago. Uh, bus driver shortage continues as schools prepare for the upcoming school year. Livingston County schools are suffering from bus driver shortages. School districts across metro Atlanta in desperate need of bus drivers. New Hampshire school district struggles with shortage of bus drivers. Bus driver shortage across the county. What Livingston schools are doing and blah, blah, blah. Bus driver shortage impacts Fulton County schools. Bus driver shortage. Uh, putting the school bus driver shortage to the test. SCCPSS dealing with school bus driver shortage for new school year. Uh, school bus driver shortage hits Florida students and families. I'm going to click on that one and we're going to dive into this one. TampaBay.com, the Tampa Bay Times. These pop up windows are just a nightmare. Go away. Go away, click, go away, go away. I just want to read it. Okay, school bus driver shortage hits Florida students and families. A roundup of Florida education news from around the state. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. Florida are racing, school districts across Florida are racing to hire school bus drivers in time for the first day of classes in August. By the way, the local newspaper where I live, this was the lead story on the front page of Sunday's paper. It says, quote, here in the Tampa Bay Times, they're not finding great success. To cope with vacancies, officials are attempting to create more efficient routes. It's a route problem. 
they think it's a root problem. The roots are too long. That's why they have a shortage. You know, they, uh, they don't want to uh, take all the different roots that we put up, but there's no other way to do it. That's not why. That's not why. It's mask wearing. It's jab taking. They don't want to play your game anymore. That's why. You've abused them long enough, and they've said, forget it, we're done. It says, to cope with the vacancies, finding more efficient routes. In Pasco County, that effort has included eliminating all bus rides for middle and high school students living within two miles of campus. Hundreds of parents have complained that the change will force their kids to walk along unsafe routes, and they're calling for an alternative but few, uh, few options appear likely. No, I know an option. I know an option. It's called homeschooling. It's remarkably simple, 100% safe by and large. Free of danger, and you don't have to play the government and political game anymore where you're being abused on a constant basis, being gaslit, and having your mind bent every single time that these people make a decision that you don't like. You get to live your own life free of all of their drama. This is the this is the slavery. These are the bars. This is the chains right here. This is it. This is it. And then school meals, they blame that high prices in school meals and a lack of school supplies and uh the increasing price of school supplies. School board politics, employee pay, there's teacher shortages, um, different textbooks that people don't like. They run right down the list. Ladies and gentlemen, there are endless individuals. I mean, my God, I, I'm sorry I have to bring this up too. It says right here, a Lee County school board member proposed changing the titles of prom king and queen, calling them sexist. Uh, do you see what's happening here? This is an unsavable, if that's a word, insavable, unsavable. Sorry, I'm not sure. You can't save it. <laughs> you can't save this environment. It, you have to let this crumble. And this right here is going to continue to be the biggest problem for people, is they do not understand that their lack of participation in government is what will make government collapse, and that's a good thing. Run away from all government-related things, and it will crumble to the ground. But Sean, some people need it, and they have to go and they don't have the means. No, I would take it a step further and think it a different dimension. They haven't thought about what else to do. They're slaves to the system, and they haven't spent a moment thinking about what else to do with their child, with their time. They haven't thought about it. They just haven't thought about it. They haven't researched other avenues, other schools, other means of, of even having their severely handicapped child taken care of throughout the course of the day while mom and or dad go and work throughout the course of the day. They haven't done the homework. This is a failing system. It's going to collapse. The quicker you get out now, 
the healthier you're going to be. Same thing with your family. The healthier everybody is going to be. The bus shortage is one of many canaries in the coal mine. There are many canaries, and they're all chirping. It's making a very loud sound. But the school bus shortage, driver shortage, is one that cannot be fixed and will not repair itself under any circumstance. If you drive in front of the district office where I live, they have a sign outside almost all of the time that says, in need of drivers. Now, their justification for saying that they don't have a driver shortage problem is because they outsource their drivers to a company. But what they are actually, which again, the, the company and the spokespeople for the busing company all say the same thing, which is we have the drivers, there's not going to be a shortage. However, they then say this if one of them becomes sick, we can't replace them with anyone because we won't have anybody to replace them with. Which means when you're actually applying to be a school bus driver in a district like that, that outsources the hiring of their drivers to an external company, you're signing up to be a substitute bus driver for when one of them falls ill, and you'll be needed at the drop of a hat, which means you're on call every day, all day long. And then, of course, you have to keep in mind something else, which is what are the odds that these full-time bus drivers are double, triple, or quadruple jabbed? In particular, when they're on a bus with other jabbed students now, whose parents are still sending them into the machine, who you can assume are also jabbed as parents, wouldn't the bus driver, wouldn't the train of thought and that singular dimension of thinking of that particular bus driver be, well, I'd better have my COVID shots so that I don't get sick? From being around all of these children? My answer to that would be yes, which means what? You have a ticking time bomb of a blood clot driving a school bus loaded with children who are probably also jabbed to the bone. Does any of this sound like a healthy environment? Again, ladies and gentlemen, I've said this before on here and read these anonymous posts and even the articles that back it up, and it's legit, that flying on airplanes is arguably the most unsafe thing you can do now. I'd say driving a school bus or riding on a school bus with no seatbelts is arguably the most unsafe thing you can do now. Yes, of course, airplanes, that goes without saying at this point, but school buses? When are we going to start hearing about this with more regularity? School bus crashes in the coming years because the driver suffered a heart attack behind the wheel while driving down the highway. Keep an ear out for that, ladies and gentlemen. Keep a big ear out for that one also. Again, when it comes to American education, what I'm doing here is I'm sitting here with flaming arrows that have an eternal flame on them, and I'm shooting them up all in the same direction on a straight line, and I'm saying, watch out for this, pow, and then that arrow hits, and it sticks there, and it remains on fire. 
with a particular issue around it, something to watch out for. That, are, that is, again, the canary in the coal mine and proving that this is the collapse and that these shots are doing exactly what they intended to do. You've heard me say the, the, the same thing about school, uh, school board meetings, that in the future, you're going to have jab injured or jab relatives of jab dead people speaking at these school board meetings, blaming school board members for their participation in all of this. That's another flaming arrow. That's another marker. That's another buoy in the water. Whatever you know, metaphor you want to use or example, that's it. This is another one. Jab-ridden school bus drivers getting in, car, getting in bus accidents with students on board because they suffer the adverse, effect, uh, adverse effects of being jabbed. We have to homeschool, ladies and gentlemen. We have to. We have to save the children, all of them, jabbed or unjabbed. We still have to save them as quickly as we can. And uh, every school year brings about its own individualized problems on a constant basis anyway. But with every passing year, the jabs and the masks and the political indoctrination and all of it is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Here's the last thing. This was also sent to me by uh, the same listener as the article before regarding the, uh, the health-damaged child as a result of their mother being jabbed. But this comes from Patriots.Win. And it's a solid list as to why people should homeschool and what they can do when they homeschool. I have some edits to this list that I'd like to make, and I want to dive into it here uh, briefly. So here it is. This was someone's anonymous post, and it was titled, My, uh, My Advice for Homeschooling Parents. They have five points, and then there's some comments uh, to, to their post. But I, I want to also sort of, again, provide a little more analysis on this individual's points. They're right on a few things, and they're, they're wrong on a few things, too. Uh, the first thing, in my opinion anyway, the first thing says this. Number one, it says the very top most important learning experience for children from two years until about 10 years is play. Let the children play. Not on a screen. Screens harm young children psychologically. I agree with that. Play matters. Imagination, um, being outside, creating things. Again, in my day, you know, we did it all. We did it all. We were building tree houses in the backyard and uh, riding our bikes all day long and building ramps and playing cowboys and Indians. I mean, we did it all. And that's something that, again, is shrinking. So I certainly agree with that. Uh, I would also say that reading is the most important thing that, that, a, that a person can do. And they, they sort of mention that at the end, but they, they put a twist on it, which I disagree with. Anyway, their second point says, relax. Don't have anxiety about your kid progressing along a predetermined timeline. Some of my kids didn't really start reading decently until 12 or 13. They're completely functional college-educated adults now. That's great, and I agree with part of that. Reading is innate. 
a, a person's ability to read exists. It's already there. It's born into us by the grace of God. People can read at a very young age if they're taught. I recommend the McGuffey readers. You've mentioned me. I've used them in the past with my niece. She was reading. She went from being illiterate to reading within two weeks. It's that simple. You read along with them. You help read for them, one word at a time, sounding out words. And before you know it, they'll start looking at you and saying, I can do this on my own. And then you have them read out loud. The problem with these, um, these online and school-related, computer-driven programs for reading is they don't require the child to actually say the words out loud. They have to say the words out loud because they have to hear their own voice saying it. Otherwise, you're just teaching Helen Keller, and that's not helping anything. You're just going to end up using hand signals and, and, other, and signs to communicate with one another instead of actually saying the words and reading them out loud. They have to read out loud. And my recommendation is, is you get them to read as early as possible. So there you go. Number three, they say relax. Don't worry about exactly how many hours are spent doing this or that class. Homeschooling takes place 24-7. Most of the education isn't done on a formal time schedule. I agree and disagree with that. There are certain times when things have to be scheduled because there's other things going on in the day. That's the freedom that you have in homeschooling, is that you would have, you would have that freedom as opposed to being in a K-12 environment where it's even more strict and you don't even have the freedom to leave the school and, and go and do something else. In homeschooling, they have the freedom to immerse themselves in subjects with interest, which is something that they don't get to do in K-12 school. I mean, immerse themselves. Maybe they want to spend, which goes along with what this person is saying, which is where we agree, where they'll spend all day on one subject. That's awesome. Because in that one full day of learning one full subject, they're going to learn more than they will spending three years in a middle school or four or five years in an elementary school. So they're right on that regard. I mean, they can spend all day on one subject if they want, and then the next day they can pick up another subject, and they can even spend all day on that if they want to, or maybe not. Maybe they just want to spend 30 minutes to, to an hour. That's fine, too. But don't have it like a bell system. That's, I think that's the suggestion they're making. Don't have some kind of a buzz timer that says, okay, math is over now. Everybody do, you know, whatever. I, uh, I agree with that. Number four, it says, relax. Don't bring the regimented failed school public model into your home. That would defeat the purpose. I pretty much just laid that out earlier, and I agree with that. Number five. And finally, they say, relax, teach them to read, encourage them to learn and equip them with the resources to become experts, to become expert in the areas they are interested in. I would agree with that too. I would also agree that they need to learn a variety of different subjects, not just what they're interested in. See, if you only let them learn what they're only interested in, they won't have any other interests. It will be very singular, and that, that doesn't broaden their perspective nor horizons and 
It doesn't tie in other subjects. But yes, they should never be discouraged from researching what they're interested in, assuming that it's appropriate, of course. And then they said, yes, I'm an expert on this. You can take my word on that or not. That's what, that's what they said. Okay, a couple of comments in the comments section of that post. I'm just going to blow through this. It says the following. One person said, uh, which had 10 upvotes, it said, number four, especially, make dinner time, play time, but just about making food and learning how cooking works. Also encourage them to make cartoons or comics they'll be playing, but also learning to use their hands, write letters and words, and read those words, and learn how what they make is perceived by others when they read something their siblings made. So share what they learn. To summarize that entire thing, yeah, share what they learn. Cooking, cooking is one of the easiest ways to learn because it forces the individual to read, to do basic math, the most basic of math, and then they get to create. And when they're done creating, they can see what they created. And then they always critique themselves. I should have done this, or I should have done that, or I should have done this differently, or you know, next time I'll do this. Perfect. That's the point. The next post said this. It says, yes, and let the home environment teach, because it will. Have a wall-sized photo mural of the map of the whole world. Have a globe, preferably large. Eh, I don't know about that. Earth isn't a spinning ball, but whatever. Uh, it says, have nice art and instructional posters all around. No, I disagree. Um, you don't want your house to look like a kindergarten classroom. They need to immerse themselves in their own, in their own mind without being distracted with all these colored pictures that are on the wall. I've, I've broken down the designs of American K-12 classrooms before. I'm not going to do it again other than to briefly say it is a distraction. The classroom with the least amount of objects in it is better. You don't need mobiles hanging from the ceiling uh, like they're babies you know, and toddlers that need to stare at something while they're, while they're either paying attention to you or, or whatever else. You, you want them to focus on a message and focus on what it is that they're reading and listening to. Um, yeah, I'm going to stop with this post because it, it, it's sort of, well, let's see. I'll finish it. It says, have a child-sized desk, even better with a slanted top, clamp to the desk with a swing arm lamp, preferably with a magnifying glass in it, have lots of paper available shelf within the child's reach. Have low tables around in child's reach with interesting books at their level and a little beyond their level. Always have things around that are beyond the child's level. I agree with that. I agree with all of that. Uh, you can't know when they will become this level. I agree. Since the child's bed should have many pillows and a reading lamp for reading in bed. The motto and slogan is, leave it lying around, quote unquote. I mean, I guess. I would encourage them to read in bed, but you don't want them to fall asleep while they're reading, because then reading becomes a falling asleep activity. Uh, I would encourage them to stand up even when they're reading. Stand up at a desk or stand up at a lectern when, when they're reading. Uh, let's see, blah, 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 them, okay. When the child is involved with something, naively ask with polite, mild interest to be shown what that is. Express mild amazement. 
Ask the child to explain it to you. Be mildly impressed. Do not explain it to the child. He or she will never touch it again if you do. I agree with that. I agree with a lot of that. You have you in particular this large point. You have to have the child tell you what they learned, because that's where it becomes that that's where it resonates, and that's where it fertilizes within the child's mind. Um, and hopefully it's the truth, whatever it is. And if it isn't, then you correct them if you know what that truth is as a parent. It says have bookshelves with lots of bookend holders that keep books from all crashing together. When the child withdraws one book, he might never take it out again or look at it if they do. It then says, have a shelf for curiosities and natural specimens, rocks, shells, fossils. I used to have one of those, 100%. Again, my brother and I shared a, uh, shared a bedroom throughout elementary school, and, uh, and we had a shelf in our, in our closet that uh, he had one, I had the other, and we, we would stack up our toys and all kinds of other things on top of there. Because again, you're, you're showing your interests, you're showing off your interests, and then you return to them. It's a good idea. That's just a childhood thing. Not so much homeschooling, but it's just a, a childhood thing. Good way, good way to raise a child. Does anyways, be on the lookout for things, magazines, tools, materials that the child can do something with. Pretend something with, make something with, use in some way, inspect and learn from some from in some way. Every store on website in every store on websites. It says in this way the child is teaching himself. Uh, what was what was his idea he will want to know. And what was simple on the wall he will gaze upon and it will be a part of his thoughts. The internet is full of sources for teaching materials and self-teaching materials, unquote. Yeah. Look up, I mean, there's thousands of things to do. Again, you've heard me say it, and it's, and it's, it's beaten to death, and it's propaganda, that the homeschool child is unsocialized. That is a lie. It's a lie. They're only unsocialized if you don't talk to them and you don't let them talk. Does that happen? Do you gag a child? Do you put duct tape over their mouth and say, we're not speaking anymore? Of course not. That doesn't happen. You socialize them a thousand different ways. Um, but yes, let them get creative. Let them make games. Don't limit their creativity. If they say they want to do something and it's, again, feasible, let them do it. Even if it doesn't seem feasible, let them do it anyway. Let them try. And then maybe they'll arrive at the fact that maybe it can't be done. You know, I thought of, I saw this the other day on YouTube. It was an awesome putt-putt course. I mean, it was an amazing putt-putt course that someone had created indoors. And it was incredible. And I know that not everybody has room, of course, to make a putt-putt course. But that's an example of something that people could do. Turn a small area, you know, in a basement or even in their own bedroom as into a putt-putt course. A little, you know, two or three hole putt-putt course, something like that. And again, it can be done with basic hardware materials. But it's things like that. You know, just there are endless examples, ladies and gentlemen. Learning is a lifelong activity. And for God's sakes, if we limit it to what is, is taught within K-12 schools and universities, we're doomed. Because look what's happening now. 
Look what's happening right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Friday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.